KYRS, Medical Lake, Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is KYRS, Thin Air Community Radio. Welcome to Ceasefire Now, where we focus on political conflicts and wars throughout the world from the standpoint of responsibility for U.S. imperialism. I am your host, Russell Webster. Today I'm joined with Shiro for a discussion on Palestine and other topics. First, some updates. With the year now behind us, 2023 is shown to be the hottest year on record. But Washington is showing no sign of a major policy shift away from fossil fuels. And with the spread of wars throughout the world, our planet's only getting hotter. January 3rd, 2020, the U.S. assassinated Qasem Soleimani, an Iranian top general, near Baghdad International Airport by drone attack. Washington's pretext for assassinating a top Iranian general was to stop a war with Iran, in President Trump's words. But one might ask if assassinating a top Iranian leader just weeks before handing over the White House is a rational means to stopping a war. Considering what unfolded three days after the January 6th insurrection, Washington's escalations in Iraq and the region only further stoked potential war. At least 84 people were killed in blast during the third anniversary of the U.S. assassination of Qasem Soleimani yesterday. Conflict escalated in Sudan in April 2023, which displaced roughly 4.3 million people. According to the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, I'm quoting, In 2024, the Sudan situation is not expected to improve as the war rages on and more displacement is anticipated, which is why we demand a ceasefire now in Sudan. Human Rights Watch and UN agencies were increasingly calling for the imposition of sanctions leading up to October 7th, 2023. However, Israel had begun a massive military campaign against occupied Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank in reaction to a successful invasion by Hamas. Turning to the joint U.S.-Israel assault on Palestine, more updates. U.S.-Israel's assault on the Palestinian people in the occupied territories is entering its fourth month. As of today, January 4, 2023, U.S.-Israel have killed nearly 33,000 Palestinians. That's right, 33,000 Palestinians in three months. This is a 21st century ethnic cleansing campaign and genocide. I would like to read a quotation from the website, If Americans Knew What Every American Needs to Know About Palestine. I'm quoting, For years, Palestinians have tried rational, peaceful methods of achieving justice. They have petitioned the International Criminal Court and the International Court of Justice. They have held thousands of peaceful protests. The ICC and ICJ, the United States, always exercises veto power in Israel's favor. When it comes to peaceful protests, Israeli soldiers shoot to kill. When Palestinians are quiet, the world forgets them, leaving them to Israel's whims. When they protest peacefully, they are killed. Only when they make a lot of noise does the world finally wake up, as they are beginning to now. I'm happy to have Shiro back to co-host today's program. Welcome back to Ceasefire Now, Shiro. Thank you, Russell. I'm so happy to be here. It's a privilege and an honor to be here. Um, You're such a great, eloquent speaker. I love it. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Thanks for starting with that news about the bombing in Iran. Um, I remember, I'm not at all, you know, a supporter of the Iranian regime, never have been. The fact that 
I live in the United States is because I do not support that regime at all. Um, but I knew about this general, and from everything I heard about him and researched and learned, was that he was a very modest man. He lived in a very small bedroom with his family. Uh, sorry, apartment with his family. He wasn't a rich man. He didn't want monetary rewards. So he, his, um, what he earned was what an average soldier would have earned. And that's the way he lived. So his, his passion was to help people and to protect his people. Um, I was watching the news for a little bit last night because I want to see the poison that's out there. Mm-hmm. And they had this um, American general, and the American general was talking about how evil this Iranian general was. Mm. And that the bombing was by other Islamist jihadists that they killed, you know, the Iranians. And it doesn't make sense at all. Um, it's done by Israel. Mm. And Israel has committed many atrocities even in Iran. They have had many, many bombs exploded in Iran all over the place for a few years. They're always trying to um, push Iran into a bigger conflict Mm. because then they can bring in the United States to fight their war. Um, Israel doesn't care about the United States. We are their slave. They Mm. have actually said it, I've heard it. Many of them think of United States as their slave, as a tool. Mm. And they want United States and Iran to have a conflict. Um, the Iranian general that was assassinated, he was very successful in what he did. And his job was to fight ISIS. Mm. It wasn't to fight United States or Israel or anyone. His job was to fight ISIS. And ISIS was created by Israel and Saudi Arabia. Mm. And United States had a hand in it. So when ISIS, when they were being trained and funded in Saudi Arabia, they moved them from Saudi Arabia into Iraq. The Iraqi generals back then were ordered to back away and let ISIS into the country, into Iraq. Hmm. Where would that order come from? Why? It has to be so high up, right? Um, what year, what year time frame are we looking at? Oh, I don't remember. It was maybe... T- when did ISIS... It was like so 10 this years is ago or so. So the war on yeah. terror. So it's sort yeah. of going uh, uh, over uh, administrations. It doesn't matter which, right. which administration. Right. It's sort it's of the, the same, same policy. System. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just... There are different heads of the same monster. So this general that his... The anniversary of his assassination was a few days ago this week. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually a very good guy. Mm-hmm. He was fighting ISIS and he defeated ISIS. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they killed him was because he became so popular, not only by the Iraqis, by everyone else. Everybody liked him. He was a hero. And the way the mainstream media United States portrays him is as he was the devil, you mm-hmm. know. Um or and, just, but not even not even responding at all. I remember yeah. when that happened; it was news in in uh, you know in Washington and and in the intelligentsia. You know, it might have it was reported, of course, in the New York Times and things like that. But average people, people I, I was uh, talk, talking with uh, on the streets, they didn't know anything about it. No, they don't. No, mm-hmm. the average person doesn't know much in this country, unfortunately. They dumb us down. The whole system, the education system, everything in this country is designed to dumb us down. Mm-hmm. I know this because I got education outside of this country. And when I came here, I was shocked at the low level of education that people were receiving compared mm-hmm. to Iran, which we call a third world country, right? Um and it's so part of the reason that you and I, we do this show is because we want to create that awareness and understanding that we all need to have to do critical thinking, mm. not just be zombies and slaves. Um, they just feed us this poison through the mainstream media, through movies, through whatever. And we accept it because people in essence, people are good. People are kind and we want to trust, mm. right? And we tend to trust our governments. 
which is the wrong thing. Thomas Jefferson said, every 20 years, there needs to be a revolution Hmm. because the nature of government is corrupt. Even if you get the right people into the government, they're only effective for a short time. And after that, they become corrupted. Hmm. It's just the nature of politics, right? Well, I want to interrupt you uh, just for a minute. We could uh, open this show up today. If you'd like to call in your local or uh, wherever you're listening from, uh, the phone number is area code 509-747-3807. So um, I want to play something that um, I came across. It affected me in a very positive way. Oh, sure. Um, and I got permission to play it. So this is um, by Matthew Cook. So Matthew's writings and ghostwriting has been honored by the Academy Awards, the Writers Guild of America, and the International Documentary Association. He makes um, short movies, and his talks have reached millions of people online, advocating for human values taught and shared by the world's great traditions. Um, So I would like to play this for you. And is it this too? All right, here we go. To live in a Jewish state, what a blessing that would be. And how easy. All we'd have to do is walk in the footsteps of Abraham and Moses and follow in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not worship material objects. Thou shalt not kill nor covet, meaning don't yearn for and certainly don't steal any of thy neighbor's possessions, land, nor blockade their freedom. Take care of the poor and oppressed over all else. Or we could live in a Christian state. And what a blessing and how easy that would be. All we'd have to do was follow Jesus, the modern name of a Jewish man called Yeshua, who reminded us to also follow Abraham and Moses and the Ten Commandments, to never worship material objects nor idols, to not steal nor kill, to love unconditionally, to judge no one, and care most of all for the poor and oppressed and to prioritize looking at our own faults and devote ourselves to their correction and improvement, to never fall victim to feelings of arrogance or somehow being superior to somebody else. Or we could live in a Muslim state. What a blessing and how easy that would be. All we'd have to do is follow Muhammad, peace be upon him, who told us to follow Abraham and Jesus, who was called Yeshua and Moses, and follow the Ten Commandments to never worship material objects nor idols, to not kill nor steal, and to take care of the poor and oppressed over all else, to submit to the highest unfathomable good with acceptance and patience and courage. We could also live in all three states at once because it turns out they are highly compatible and it sounds like heaven on earth, which I think was the idea. This guidance that we now call Islam and Christianity and Judaism, came from three people after each fasted for a month to reduce the influence of this material world, to leave themselves empty, to receive something from that highest good. And they did. They each had a revelation that human beings should never associate anything physical or that springs from desire and self-interest with an unfathomable, all-encompassing oneness, God, Allah, Yahweh, which all mean the same thing, regardless of religion or tradition, a word that means that which is everything, that which proceeds and surrounds and exists inside and outside all that exists. And each of these three people who had this revelation were from the same family and share the same ancestor, who are all our ancestors and who shared this same message, that this world is temporary. It's a test of our willingness to be a good and humble person who uses our earthly desires as fuel, but not direction. And each one of them, in secession, said that the world was not listening to their sibling who had just come prior. It turns out that the beliefs of all the children of humanity are also completely compatible with Gautama Buddha, 
who reminded humankind that our attachment to material things leads to suffering. And our entire human family is also compatible with the beliefs of Hinduism, which advise that humankind must be aware of our karma, which could be interpreted simply as that which we hate, we become. And that which we love, loves us back. All the wisdoms of the world, practiced as prescribed, create harmony among all the families of the earth. And it should go without saying that there's nothing, nothing that could ever justify killing or kidnapping a child or civilians or evicting a family from their home or bombing a building or seizing land someone is living on already or voting for leaders or tax dollars to finance these kinds of crimes or the weapons that are used to commit them or contribute in any way to the suffering of anyone because of where their family was born or what their religion is when there's clearly no difference between any of our religions or our families. Let us celebrate and respect our differences, especially and most of all those that we do not understand or are none of our business. The nature of this universe and that which has true authority over it and our little world is certainly not perceived in the judgments of any of us, its tiny, near clueless, temporary guests. A wise elder once said that we do not have the divine wisdom to know what came before or what comes after, nor what is within or outside the object of our judgments. May we focus on the job we have in front of us, which, among other things at this time, is to always speak and act and vote against violence and against all those sins so clearly described by our mothers and fathers. May we devote ourselves to peace outwardly and inwardly for as long as there is war in ourselves there will be war in the world assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh that's my bad arabic which means peace be upon you and may that unfathomable oneness which is everything and encompasses everything precedes postdates and surrounds and is within us all bless you in every aspect of your life Wow. Wasn't that beautiful? Remind me uh, what that video was. His name is Matthew Cook, and the video, you can find it on YouTube. It's called Free Palestine, Free Israel, Free At 7.37 a.m. That was definitely a beautiful message and very deep in many ways, philosophical and really gets to the, I I believe it gets to the heart of things. What, What did you pull from that? We're all the same. We're all the same. I could have been born in Israel. I could have been born in Palestine. I could have been born in Norway. I just ended up being born in Iran, and now I live here, right? We're all the same. We're children of God. We are different visions of each other, different versions of each other. Um, Yet we put so much of our resources into destroying each other. By destroying each other, we're actually destroying ourselves. When we are focused on destruction, we're destroying ourselves. We're not protecting ourselves. We need to put our energy into caring about each other, being kind towards each other, taking care of each other. The more I do for you, it will come back to me in a positive way. Absolutely. Right? So when you got a whole nation, superpowers, putting 70% of our national budget into militarism and just weapons of mass destruction, it's going to come back to bite us. You started the show by talking Mm -hmm. about global warming. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest contributors to global warming in the world is the United States military industrial complex. They spend more on military in this country than the rest of the world combined. Mm. Well, we're going to... We're going to take a short break here. Uh, that reminds me of something I was <laughs> I was rereading. I, re- I read the uh, Hannah Rents um, on uh, totalitarianism. The, it's a really big book that essentially a history and and how essentially how we got to World War II and the Holocaust, and it, it covers a lot. But one of the things that struck me was when she was discussing the sort of nearing the end of a uh, an empire, an imperial quest, and what leads to things like final solutions and things like that. 
And when you start to get to those stages, what you see is the state begins to cannibalize itself. So it begins to eat eat its own and destroy itself exactly as you're saying with uh, on, on an individual basis, of course, but also it, it, on a national level, on a on a global level, we are seeing these features as the U.S. empire continues to decay. We're seeing this cannibalization happening. A couple examples that sprung to mind when I was reading uh, Arendt's history was the uh, attack on Harvard right now, um, the first black uh, uh, president of Harvard uh, is being attacked. Um, she has just resigned because she has faced so much uh, attack, and that's that's the empire's most prestigious school. It's it's always been considered the incubator of the uh, next generation's leaders of the free world, they call it. Uh, another example is the uh, insurrection, uh, the January 6th insurrection, insurrection uh, of 2020. That is another example of the United States, uh, essentially the establishment and uh, the uh, white population cannibalizing its own state. And I think we're going to uh, continue to see these features, but I just wanted to mention that, that we truly are all connected. And I, the more I learn about these uh, philosophies and these insights, and I would call them just truisms, is that the most important things in the world are not the things at all. They're, they're each other. They're us. They're, they're the people that we are living with, the people who have came before us and the people that we want to continue on, the people we want to come after us. There's nothing more important than life. It's more important than all of these things. It's more important than land. It's more important than money. It's more important than gadgets. The only thing that really matters is us. Because we don't know what this all is, and we need to take care of each other. We'll come back with more discussion on Palestine. Away in bomb shelters, concrete for a bed, the little lost children lay down their sweet heads. The drones in the dark sky Look down where they lay While they pray to the angels To fly them away The mothers are crying The babies are Ceasefire Now, KYRS. I'm your host, Russell Webster. I've been discussing uh, Palestine and other topics with Sharoe, my co-host today. And uh, what song was that that you played earlier? Um, that was a 
let me grab my was glasses. A, that was a really beautiful you song. You know, I just got old quickly overnight <laughs> and I need glasses. Away in Bomb Shelters by Martin Kerr. Oh, thank you for playing that. Of course. Shiro's, uh, he's, he's being the DJ today and he's selecting <laughs> some, some music to play in between the discussion. But we were just discussing, um, was that, what was the gentleman's name on that? Uh, was that Matthew, Matthew Cook? Cook? Matt Cook. Yes. And uh, we were just discussing some of the insights uh, we gained from that. And uh, I don't know, you could call it philosophy, you could call it, uh, you know, sort of a, a, myst, a mystical sort of look, but it's, it's an attempt to cut through all of the uh, divisions. You know, we're always put in these sort of, uh, we're born into these societies and oftentimes and, and taught that there are uh, other people, other human beings who are, who are enemies out there. And uh, we're basically talking about that. We're talking about how we're all connected in, in those sorts of discussions that when you look at human history, you can see these patterns emerge and you see history, as it's often said, repeat itself over and over again. And how we get into these uh, traps? Well, we've we've looked into it, and uh, there's a, a, a lot of scholarship on it, and it goes back to ancient times. Uh, I'll discuss a little a little bit about that. So, back, going back to uh, there was a philosopher named Plato. I'm sure you've all heard of him, uh, ancient Greek philosopher. Um, we're talking about over two thousand years ago he came to the conclusion that the way systems of oppression, so to speak, are uh, continued over generation over generation is by essentially by having control over minds. So you have to control what people think. Uh, Another philosopher many centuries later uh, named David Hume, he came to the same conclusion. He said, well, how, how do masses of people just kind of go along with being oppressed? How does that work? And he said that you need to control their opinion. You need to have some way to control what they think about the world and how they think about the world. And then you can easily get them to do whatever you want them to do. Uh, Hume was perfectly fine with that. He thought that was great uh, because he... He was more of a, a reactionary, um, sort of definitely a, a proponent of, of states and um, hierarchies and things like that. He thought it was perfectly fine. Now, coming up to, to our times, um, there's a philosopher named Noam Chomsky who also studied uh, these the predecessors. And he did not think that um, this sort of brainwashing through educational and cultural means was a good thing. So he was uh, contrary to Hume, and uh, Chomsky's still with us, and he continues to discuss and and write on these topics. But he called that same uh, uh, process that Plato and and Hume were discussing, he called that the manufacturing of consent. So in order for um, someone like me, for, for example, who didn't grow up with a lot, Um, didn't always have a great childhood, uh, didn't have many prospects uh, when I was leaving home. College wasn't something that was talked about in my household. I saw joining the military as a perfectly suitable thing to do. It was uh, actually, I was taught that it was a um, patriotic and it was a good thing to do. And uh, I, I, got those beliefs from the very society that I was brought up in. And so much of my life since then and and throughout my life has been trying to escape from these these ideological confines. Uh, One more uh, example from a philosopher of how these systems work is, um, and it's a very recent uh, example, is a philosopher named Jason Stanley, uh, he's a Yale uh, pro- uh, philosopher and a Yale professor, and he's written on uh, fascism, a book called How Fascism Works. He's written on propaganda, a book called How Propaganda Works. 
And propaganda is essentially what is used to manufacture consent through the media. So the media basically serves to uphold the system that's in place. The media uh, is a money-making business, so it has money-making interests. And what the propaganda it uses entails is harmful propaganda, largely. Harmful propaganda is propaganda that is deceitful, and it's used to essentially corrupt minds, uh, sway people. Um, the other form of propaganda is um, is non-harmful propaganda. So, you know, smoking causes lung cancer. You might see a sign like that at the bus station or, uh, you know, talking about um, a different health uh, health aspects that you should not, um, you know, uh, put your, you should uh, provide proper nourishment for your children, things like that. So these would be, you know, examples of positive propaganda or just non-harmful propaganda. But a lot of the propaganda that we read uh, or that we come across uh, through social media is largely harmful propaganda because it's designed to uh, manufacture our consent. And this operates in different ways. It can be through omission by just not talking about things that are happening, like we were talking about the Iranian uh, general who was assassinated, that a lot of people just have no clue about that. And it's a uh, uh, an extremely important uh, historical event in world history, yet so many people don't know about it. Uh, another major way that uh, misinformation is spread through uh, harmful propaganda is uh, the way language is used. And I think that's one of the th- that's one of the features I come across most is uh, seeing how, uh, for example, a lot of articles might say um, Hamas killed X amount of Israeli civilians. Uh, So it'll be a very active way to to frame it. And then for um, Palestinians killed by U.S. and Israel, it'll say something like um, X amount of Palestinians were killed. So it's a very passive way. But all of these things send signals uh, uh, to us. Another um, example that just sprung to mind is using terms uh, to... Let people know that you are not a threat, that you are not going to be saying anything to make them too uncomfortable. So if you can preface uh, uh, sort of a protest, say, with, uh, well, it's a nonviolent protest. So you have to reassure the, the audience that um, you, are not, or you are not posing any sort of threat uh, to the status quo. So these sorts of uh, mechanisms are ways in which uh, Misinformation is spread, and these systems of oppression can continue generation over generation. Of course, there's other aspects to it um, in terms of the things I was talking about. So giving more people things than other people and divide and conquer. But all of those things, even the force, the violence, all of that, the militarism, in order for all of that to work, we need to have our consent manufactured by the societies that we live in. I know that was a lot, but... uh, (laughs) I completely make sense. I I totally get it. Um, One of the examples that I've always used to explain that with people that I meet is the Nazi Germany. Mm. The Nazis were only about 11% of the voting population of Germany. Only 11%. Um, Minister of Media... Um, for Hitler, mm-hmm. his name—I I always mispronounce his name—Gerbold or Gobold, I think. Mm. So he was able, within a matter of three to four years, by using media, they turned the average German into a monster, mm. and they killed six million Jews, right, and millions and millions of more human beings. These were Germans who went to church on Sundays. Right, And they were kind. They were fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. Within a very short time, they were turned into monsters. 
And I saw the same thing happening um, here during the Vietnam era, you know, the Red Scare, oh, you know, mm-hmm. the communists, you know, we, communism is anti-God, communism is bad, it's against freedom. They use that language to create monsters of Vietnamese and they've killed so far six to eight million Vietnamese because it continues, all the unexploded bombs are still there. And did Americans care much? No. The same thing happened with the Japanese, the North Koreans, the Chinese, Iranians, Palestinians, Iraqis, Afghanis. And it's by using, controlling the language. You demonize someone and then it's really easy to commit atrocities mm-hmm. against them. It just, you can feel justified. You can even, like Israelis, they refer to Palestinians as subhumans. Mm-hmm. This is their official term. They're subhumans. Yeah. Right? I mean, these these terms, and, and another part of it is these terms, and, and it also exposes this, um, the same patterns over generations that I was talking about, is the word communism still still carries with it a lot of weight uh, for the the generation uh, and the generations that were beat over the head with mm-hmm. with the the scary um, boogeyman of of communism who's you know uh, you know behind your couch or you know out, yeah. outside you know in your front yard or, or wherever the word community comes from it yeah and so what we've seen is is essentially the term communism be replaced by the term terrorism. Now, of course, there was some overlap in there because, um, you know, the, the fall of the um, Soviet Union uh, happened in the, in the early 90s and the war on terror had already been going on for 10 years. You know, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, claimed, proclaimed the first uh, war on terror. He said, you know, we are, we are going into a war on terror and that never ended. We just continued... Uh, our terror war um, in South America, uh, but we also, uh, you know, really ramped it up in throughout the Middle East, uh, starting you know in Afghanistan in the late seventies, and uh, the overthrow of the Shah and uh, or the you know in Iran, and uh, you could talk more about that sometime. But we continue to see this um, this sort of terrorist. Uh, in quotes, terrorist threat that seems to just pop up wherever there is U.S. interests. So wherever the United States seems to have interests in uh, in the in uh, in the world, we seem to find terrorists. Mm-hmm. Similar to the way uh, wherever we had interests in the world uh, before the '90s, we would find communists, and it. it it's it became um, difficult for people to take this the threat of communism seriously because they're they're just plain there isn't a threat of communism to the United States and there never was, but uh, the threat of terrorism is definitely more biting. It's definitely been beat into people's heads enough in the West that it has become a very useful term and interchangeable. And so what we're seeing now, uh, from, from what I'm seeing in, in, the, in the war on Palestine right now, and in this genocide that we uh, are calling for a ceasefire to, is this interchangeable feature that not only is Washington and the Biden administration and the Pentagon and uh, Israeli leadership continuing to uh, discuss and use the language of the war on terrorism, but the United States is also uh, largely, uh, many people in the United States are just accepting these terms uh, rather than, as you were saying earlier, critically think about them. So wh- who, are, who are these terrorists and what are they connected to and how, how are they posing a threat to the United States? That doesn't even make sense when you start, just when you begin to look at it, you see that it all falls apart but you should not be looking at it. That's what uh, the strength of the indoctrination system keeps people from even looking uh, 
Have you noticed that as well? Um, I've noticed it big time. We actually, we've been conditioned to self-censor ourselves. Mm. Um, kind of surprised that it has affected the culture, the Western culture so much that um, even um, saying anything or showing anger mm. um, is a taboo. Um, anger is one of our emotions. We need we need to examine it. We need to be in control of it. And they have conditioned people not to even get angry. But everybody does get angry, you know. Mm-hmm. So we self-censor ourselves. We It's shameful to get angry. But then that anger builds up and it shows itself some other way. It might show up in a disease or it might show up in somebody picking up a gun and shooting other people, whatever, you know, um, or abuse of family members. So we don't even know how to deal with our own emotions because we've been zombied out. We've Mm. been, we're not normal anymore. We don't function normally in this country anymore. Have you ever seen the movie They Live? Yes. With John Carpenter's They Live. Yeah, I just recently watched Yeah, me too. <laughs> it, it's like, you know, we go through life functioning as a sort of a slave to the system. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have independence of thought anymore. Yeah, and there are, there are a lot of people angry. There's people angry uh, across the board. And... People have uh, legitimate uh, rights to their anger. But as you're saying, when you don't know why you're angry or why, what you, when you don't know who, who the oppressors are, yes. even, you don't know why uh, you are having a hard time paying the bills. You don't know why your family doesn't have access to health care, uh, education. You don't know why you have to work your uh, life away when you don't understand these things and you're disconnected from the history you're disconnected from the capacity to think critically about them that anger the closest place that anger has to go is back right back into those myths that you that you've been taught and beat over the head with your entire life Yes. So it makes sense that things and, like January yeah. 6th could happen or yeah, things like that absolutely. deeply indoctrinated and angry uh, populace. And they're going to come and say, hey, you know, it's not your fault. It's somebody else's fault. Let's focus our blame on these people. Yeah. It's the Chinese. It's the immigrants. It's the refugees. It's this black people, white mm-hmm. people, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is, that's, that's, that's uh, U.S. history. <laughs> really? No, that's yeah. imperial, uh, imperialist history is the divide and conquer. Uh, I think every American, uh, should know U.S. history. Every American should read a, at least one book uh, that attempts to critically analyze uh, the, the genocide that the United States uh, perpetrated on the indigenous people. I think at last count, it was well over 11 million, uh, or maybe it was over, it's over 20 million mm-hmm. now. They keep finding out, uh, finding more evidence as, as time goes on. And um, that the divide and conquer was a crucial element to conquering uh, indigenous peoples over the United States that that constantly uh, pinning uh, one tribe or one nation against another was an elementary uh, uh, feature of U.S. imperialism. And that exact same uh, process of expansion that they ended up, uh, we ended up eventually even expanding past the continental United States and covering large parts of the world, that same process is no different than the process that happened in the very beginning, in the creation of the 13 colonies. And it's the same process we see happening right now in Palestine. And it's, it's, we see it happening throughout the world. And so we're a part of a continuing story. That's really what this is about. That's what we're trying to drive home, that the... The ways in which people are indoctrinated or corrupted or brainwashed, having their consent manufactured, whatever, whichever way you'd like to put it, 
Those same processes that are happening in the United States are the same processes that are happening in China, and they're happening in Iran, they're happening in Israel, they're happening in, uh, they happened in ancient Greece, like I was talking about earlier. So it's not to say that every culture and every society is the same. It's to say that the way people are lorded over, the way people uh, can be oppressed, is dependent on the ways in which they can be brainwashed. So in order to be able to have force over people, you also have to be able to have control over what they think and how they think about the world. Does that make sense? It completely does. Um, we can discuss philosophy so much. <laughs> the philosophy, I, I would love it. It always comes to, it, do we have a choice? Mm. And that's another show. Yeah. Um, do, do you have to do a PSA now? Or? Yeah, let's do a, okay. a quick break and then maybe play uh, another song before okay. we head out. Do you want to hear a song? Yes, please. Okay, this uh, is Irish. By the accidental rapper called Anne Felestine. It is not those who inflict most, but those who endure most who will prevail. Palestine, we see your pain and pray for your true. This I'm not saying it's the same, but see, we were the blueprint to recognize the struggle because we've seen it before. Curse of Cromwell, Bloody Sunday, and the burning of Cork. Balfour left his mark on the Emerald Isle. Then he went and lit a spark under the Zionist kind. The black and tans were ousted. Finally, from these shores, Churchill went and sent him to the Palestine police force. Anybody born in the shadow of their main oppressor. Diamonds formed from years under the greatest pressure. Occupation over several centuries. Sadly, scares remain deep within collective memory. Connected through history We can hear your people's call Up and down this island Your flag flies over City Hall Deep then we recognise Under the rubble Are our brothers and our sisters From a similar struggle Oich Ella Oich Ella Oich Ella The enemy they write me Nyerke Kurla Kela Oich Ella Oich Ella Oich Ella me the Gazans pinned in, trapped by the wall. Israelis daily violating international law. F 16s, Apaches, US military aid. The Leahy law neglected as exceptions are made. Collective punishment, the slaughter of civilians. You don't target anyone when you cut water off to millions. An oasis of democracy, far from that. Families forced from the West Bank as land gets grabbed. Like 1984 on a daily basis. NSO, Pegasus, Blue Wolf, surveillance. Amazon and Google workers want to watch, they've witnessed. Plead with them to put an end to Project Nimbus Unit A200 trying to do more spying We need real journalism to review their crimes APAC, hijack, watch truth or lies So you may not read about it in the New York Times Oich, Ella Oich, Ella Oich, Ella The enemy they write me Nyerke Kurla Kela Oich, Ella Oich, Ella Oich, Ella the arms industry can't hack resistance from the Raytheon 9 or an Elbit system. Solidarity to people no different to you and I. Ask the UN Betsalem or rabbis for human rights. Anybody listening who refuses to get it. Criticizing war crimes isn't anti-Semitic. We know Jews and Zionists are not one in the same. Love to Jewish voice for peace screaming not in our name. Coined the term boycott down around Westport. Ironically it might just be our proudest export. Call for BDS and more trade embargoes. Perceive of those imports not to take their cargo We mourn innocent debts of every persuasion But know the way to end the violence is to end the occupation We pray this dark night will end And we'll see the dawn Ireland the Palestine Sirsha Shia Khan That was the accidental rapper singing Anne Palestine um, The Irish are very pro-Palestinian I mean, if you watch... Um, if you watch um, their soccer games, you always see Palestinian flags in their stadiums. And that was and that was yeah. a, uh, an Irish group. Is that yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that was a great song. Well, that hour went by fast. We've been discussing uh, Palestine and uh, Iran and uh, many other 
topics. We've been discussing philosophical topics and going uh, uh, way deep in there. Um, But next week, we're going to be discussing a a film festival. So Spokane, Washington um, is going to be hosting a Palestinian, an international Palestinian film festival. We're going to get a lot more information on that next Thursday. And we'll also be discussing uh, uh, Party for Socialism and Liberation. Some local folks who are a part of that are going to come in and tell us all about that as well and what they're doing to create a ceasefire in uh, Palestine. Shiro, you got any uh, last words? Um, Yeah, you know, a lot of people are now asking me, because I do post on Facebook, you know, and they say, well, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. What Mm -hmm. can we do? And I love that because people are starting to feel curious Mm -hmm. and starting to empower themselves. Absolutely. And there are simple things people can do. I'm not saying this is what they should do, but like one, one of the things I did was I wanted to support some organization that's doing actual good work and I found one it's called US Campaign for Palestinian Rights Action and I send them a little bit of money um, they send me a letter it's a very good letter thank you letter and it's got really good information which I wouldn't have heard about in the mainstream media like one of the things that they said was um, that last month more than 100 congressional staffers staged a walkout in solidarity with the Palestinian people in Gaza. In their statement, congressional staff for a ceasefire wrote, most of our bosses on Capitol Hill are not listening to the people they represent. Our constituents are pleading for a ceasefire. And just a few days later, more than 500 Biden administration employees signed a letter demanding Biden support growing calls for a ceasefire, um, stating the overwhelming majority of Americans support a ceasefire. I never heard that. I haven't heard that either. Thank you for sharing that. So going outside of the mainstream media information source, you can find new things. And um, these politicians, the elected officials, they're not listening to us, but a lot of their congressional staffers, young people, young college graduates who are interning for them and helping Mm -hmm. out, they're going, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is wrong. And these are the future elected officials. The times, they are a-changing. Unfortunately, we are out of time. See you next week on Ceasefire Now. Thank you. Thank you.